welcome to New Zealand Vegan Podcast episode 70. I'm your host, Elizabeth Collins, and I don't actually really even know what I'm going to talk about. I just know that there is so much to talk about, and there's so much going on, and I haven't been doing my podcast regularly, and so when you get out of doing something, um, just like exercise, for example, you you sometimes, it takes you a while to get back into it, and I really do want to get back into it, so I mean... I don't know if there's ever any, if I'm ever going to run out of anything to say, but sometimes I feel like I do repeat myself, but I think that's okay, um, because a lot of the things that I talk about that we are all, you know, doing, they are still going on, <laughs> unfortunately, and um, part of what made me want to record a podcast tonight was, um, we've been doing the street stall again. And it's, um, you know, we have, we have all kinds of interesting conversations. And also I've been involved in the Abolitionist Approach Forum. And there's a couple of threads on there that I've been involved in where I've kind of said stuff. And I'm like, whoa, did I really say that? And I've discovered through a thread about, uh, about human overpopulation that I'm actually utterly terrified <laughs> about the state of the planet, and um, I want to be optimistic about it rather than ra- rather than negative. But because I am not an expert in anything, <laughs> but um, I I just I feel overwhelmed with with a sense of sort of of terror, and I I really think that. Um, I don't think that it's useful to be paralyzed with fear and so I'm trying to I'm going to talk about it because I've been on the forums but I'm not as good typing and I do want to get this out and um, I want you know I really firmly believe that veganism is one of the most positive things that we're going to do with regard to the, I mean, obviously to global warming and, you know, to climate change, but it doesn't necessarily address human population. And I think that part of the reason, I mean, if we think about this for a second, one of the things that I think about, there's 6.2 billion people on the planet, right? However, we raise and murder 56 billion land animals that we raise and kill a year. And, I mean, for all I know, that, sh- that figure's growing. Um, but my point is, is that if we abolish domestication, which is what we're trying to do, that should give us some breathing space. I mean, surely 56 billion land animals and we, you could say well we don't allow them to live very long we don't allow them to live very long but that's every year I mean that's a lot of resources going to feed and and shelter those animals now as we know we give them the minimal minimal that they need to be um, productive property anybody who doesn't know what I mean please read Gary Francione's books please read Rain Without Thunder that's very, very important reading. I'm dying to get my hands on Animals, Property, and the Law. I'm trying to get it into my library. They keep saying that it's out of print, and I have proof from the publisher, from 
Gary Fred's own that it's not out of print, so I'm working on it. But the bottom line is, I think that um, I think that my fear, I think our fears are valid, but um, I just when I think 6.2 billion humans, now the difference between us and a lot of the animals, including the animals that we raise and slaughter, is we, one human, especially because we live in so many places where we don't really physiologically belong, um, in other words, if we want to live in the North Pole or wherever, um, we simply cannot survive with our own physical bodies. We have to build shelters and we have to heat those shelters and we have to wear clothing. So we take up you know, a huge amount of space for our shelter, and we don't move from there, so we create waste, and then we use other resources, like we make, we want things to cook with, because we don't eat, you know, we can't eat, um, so even in a vegan world, people who live in, in icy landscapes uh, will need um, v- fruit and vegetables to be either grown hydroponically, or, or um, however other method of growth would be used, that would use a huge amount of energy and resources, so I'm not denying that 6.2 billion humans, even 6.2 billion vegan humans use a huge amount of resources compared to, you know, other herbivores that are nomadic, that just eat what they need, that don't, that live in places where their bodies are suited so they don't need to, like, build houses and, you know, where their shelters are very temporary, they just temporarily take shelter under a cliff and then move on or whatever. So we are different in that regard, but surely... If we think about the resources that we're allocating to those 56 billion land animals, even though the vast majority of them are smaller land animals and are crammed into unbelievably small spaces, even free range, I mean, don't get it twisted, it's still, you know, it's still, it's still something to think about. So I'm trying, now, I mean, obviously we haven't abolished exp, um, exploitation, uh, animal exploitation, we haven't abolished um, animal use, but, you know, that's what we're working towards, and I believe that that movement is, is growing exponentially. But so I'm trying to get away from that, you know, and I find that getting involved in these conversations, I found the pessimistic part of me that I sort of forgot exists because I'm really full of hope because I look at myself and I look at other people around us and I just even look at our bodies and I'm like, we're really not a violent, you know, we're really not a violent species. Tell you what, one of the, when I say we're not a violent species, I mean, if you look at our physiology, the only way that we can really inflict violence is with weapons, generally. I mean, you know, um, I mean, of course, we can, you know, use our fists and and things like that, um, but we usually, it's just like, we're not sort of built, you know, if you look at our, I mean, I know that they say in all the history books and stuff that we have the forward, we have the eyes in the front of our heads, oh, that means we're a predator, and we, we stand upright, and we can see, and we can, and the prey has the eyes on the sides of the head or whatever, but I mean, if you really look at all the predators on the earth, you know, and then you look at us, I mean, even the bird life that the predators, I mean, their claws are pretty amazing in their beaks. I mean, they have, their bodies are weapons, you know, we make tools, you know. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked, but, but, but my point is, is that I lost track, but I was, so what I, what my point was, was that about pessimism, and I find, and I actually had this conversation today when me and William did our street store, and over the last, and you know, you don't have to do it very much. You really don't have to do it very many times before you kind of get a feel of the general attitude of the society that you live in. And the general attitude seems to be quite pessimistic, and that is what's holding us back as a, you know, as a, you know, as a species and everything. Because even people who say, "I love what you're doing," 
I really think you're on the right track. I can totally get down with what you're saying. But whether you like it or not, there's always going to be violence. We're always going to be violent. There's always going to be war. And then when we say, no, it doesn't have to be that way. They're like, you're not being realistic. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. What's reality? Realistic. I mean, for example, there was some comments that people had wished they'd never been born. <laughs> I was one of them. <laughs> but that's just a fantasy. I mean, that'll never happen. So it's like wishing that I was... Another one of my dreams and wishes is that I was a hummingbird. I really wish that I was born as a hummingbird. Bottom line is I wasn't. So it's just a fantasy. But, you know, the reality is, is that if every individual on earth, human, right, chose to be non-violent and chose to be vegan, even if in cases of true emergency, they were forced to either die or be violent, putting that aside, you know, we all, that's the basic sort of primordial instinct for survival that we're all subject to. That's what's caused human beings to consume the bodies of other human beings in moments of crisis, uh, disregarding that. If we all choose to be nonviolent, practically speaking, we can. So don't tell me it's not possible. Just because people aren't doing it doesn't mean that it's not possible. It's not possible that I was never born. And it's not possible that I'm a hummingbird. Okay, I accept that. You know, it's, pressed, it's basically not possible that I can use my arms to fly. Whatever. I know the difference between reality and fantasy. Right now, the reality is that we are being violent. But don't tell me it's unrealistic to expect us to stop being violent, especially the way we are now. I mean, even a 50% reduction in the amount of violence that we inflict on each other, let alone other sentient beings, would sow the seeds of a peaceful, you know, peaceful, you know, existence. So that's what really, I think, is one of the biggest problems. And it's not just, you know, and, and like there were some people who were accusing other people of being pessimistic and negative, And I think there was even somebody that was actually put off by it. And, you know, I can understand. I mean, it's, it's a tough thing. Another thing that I think is really hard, and I was just thinking about this today, is like, you know, I've got some, some contacts on my Facebook page. I, the only reason I use Facebook is because I am, I just use it to promote all my friends' articles. I just promote abolitionism on there. And I, I have a lot of people that um, are all vegan, and I just want them to. We just, I just want us to share resources. I learn a lot from a lot of the articles that people write. It's all for full fuel for our educational efforts. I go on there very quickly and I post a lot of articles. But there are other people who use it as a place to sort of, like I have some. I have very few friends that are not vegan on Facebook. My Facebook friends, and I'm probably sure that most of them. When, when people send me a friend request, like say somebody from work or somebody from school, I'm kind of like, hmm, okay, I know that what most people use Facebook for, and Twitter for that matter, is a place, I mean, maybe not most, but from what I've seen, what my friends use it for, is like a place where you can go and like kind of hang out because it's kind of, you know, you, you can go there and you can say, oh man, I had a really rough day or, oh, ha ha, I just stubbed my toe and then, all your Facebook friends can say, oh yeah, that's funny, I stubbed my toe too, and, and then you can kind of have some light relief, or you can say, oh my god, I had the worst day in the world, you know, um, my co-worker was a jerk, and 
and now I feel really like I'm going to smash a bottle in the over my head or something like that. And then your friend's gone, and, and it's kind of like a social. It's like the, it's now that we live this digital world, and everybody spends their whole life staring into a screen rather than talking to each other's faces. It's like a social networking thing, and I don't use it for that. And I'm starting to wonder, like I reckon, like I was looking over my Facebook profile, I was looking over my you know my my re- recent postings. And there was one about how, you know, vegetarianism is, is, is exploiting animals. It was a great article that was written by, um, um, it was written by Randy Sandberg um, on his awesome website, vegansforpeace.org. I recommend checking it out. And then the next article I had was like a beautiful piece of writing with a gorgeous photo from Emmy James, who's Emmy James, is, as we know, um, abolitionist vegan podcaster from New Zealand, fellow abolitionist vegan podcaster, and she has the blog um, vegan-for-life.blogspot.com, vegan for life. And she was, uh, she's actually an animator, and she's really, really talented, so we're trying to sort of get her, you know, I really want to help her, like I would love to give her business of animation, because she puts out vegan messages in her animation as well. And she was at this animation school, and she literally saw, you know, some cows, because I live in a rural, you know, there's a lot of we live in a farming country and she wrote a story you know she wrote about the things that she'd seen and it was terribly sad it was a terribly sad story about the about animal use i mean it was a beautiful story because it, it, the cow and her calf were alive and but they were prisoners and they were property and the farmer came by and we know what's going to happen to the we know what's going to happen to them and so it was quite a depressing story and i said it was really sad and somebody else came on and put a sad face and i'm thinking ah so my Facebook friends are on Facebook, the non-vegan ones, are on Facebook, and they're like just wanting to like, it's like you go to a bar and there's happy hour. Well, these guys, you know, a lot of people, they go on Facebook and they just want to hang out. And they're, they're probably like completely blocking my Facebook page by now. So am I getting through to them on Facebook? Well, probably not. Um, you know, um, I don't think, I mean, I just wonder about that. But I mean, what are we, the problem is, is that, that's not being pessimistic. Telling reality like it is, you know, we're the ones saying the way to stop this horrible stuff is not to close your eyes and put your hands in your ears and go la 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 and then talk about your favorite TV show. You can still have your favorite TV show and you can still relax and everything, but just you can be vegan. And the thing is, I walk like me and William have talked about this and I've talked about this before. You know, I walked in the street and I see people and I'm just like you can do everything that you're doing and be vegan doing it because I do so it's not it's just oh so that's the frustrating thing about about telling the truth because you're always the bearer of what they think is bad news we're actually the bearer of good news if anybody was really listening we have the good tidings I know that sounds like religious or something oh don't get me started but The truth is, there is an unbelievable amount of violence in this world. The vast majority of it is perpetrated by our consumption habits, including human slave labor and trafficking of human beings. So if everybody would just stop purchasing the products of exploitation, it would end and if there was better education, better resource distribution, because a, a human being that wakes up to the wrongness of oppression and wakes up to the beauty of nonviolence 
will not want to perpetuate a capitalistic, exploitative society that oppresses the poor and keeps them in poverty while billionaires have 25 properties across the world and use a disgusting amount of resources that half of which is thrown in the garbage you know it's a change it's a revolution of the heart that's why you know what really makes me like the biggest lie the biggest lie that's talked told about abolitionists is that we are um, believers of inaction. We, we, our, we advocate doing nothing. And that is the biggest lie that's told about us. Because, and I, one thing I learned was that we're advocates for nonviolence. And I thought that meant we were pacifists because I didn't know the difference. And I noticed that there was, this, there was a lot of debates going on. There's always a lot of debates going on between abolitionists who um, are opposed to in um, militant direct action and supporters of militant direct action saying that we're pacifists and they use it as like a dirty word like oh you're a pacifist and I'm thinking to myself and I got confused I was like why why are we not a, why is that a bad thing I mean, why why are we because one of my colleagues that I learned from a lot she's a very very experienced colleague she wrote back and said we're not pacifists and then she wrote something but it's actually I couldn't I wasn't able to kind of decipher exactly what she meant so I got a little confused I was like oh so we're not pacifists what does that mean and then Gary I read an article that's an Israeli um, magazine or online website and I'll post it here had interviewed Gary Francione and he has said in this article and I'll post to it he said I'm not a pacifist you know people accuse me of being a pacifist he said I'm not a pacifist I very much believe in action and that's when it clicked. I'm like, oh, pacifism is, do is nothing. You're passive. We're not pacifists. We believe in action. It's just that the action that we believe in is nonviolent action. And that just really explained a lot to me about, about that little confusion there. So anybody else who's, who might wonder about that or who might have been accused of that can have something to say in response. No, no, no. We're all in favor of action. It's just nonviolent action that we're in favor of, and and so the and, and then if you look around now, like the thing that I love about the forum is like, of course, there's all kinds of things on there, and there's all kinds of hot debates in any forum, you know. But I just love this forum; <laughs> it's my favorite um, abolitionist approach forum. But um, there's a lot of people now, abolitionists coming out, and they're doing a lot of really active educational stuff. I mean, there's a lot happening, and like. You know, with with regard to resources and with regard to numbers, yeah, we're just at the beginning, but we're very, very active. So don't get it twisted, please. Okay, so back to the pessimism. Yeah, that's the thing that... So I try to be really positive, especially when I'm talking to people in the street. And I find that me and William are like the most hopeful people there. There are other people who come up and they get a spark of that hope. And they say, yeah, you're really right. And they realize it. But there's so many people and they range from people who are themselves kind of, even like we spoke with some people today who were Hare Krishnas and they were really devoted to their religion. And they were like trying to convince us to say Hare Krishna the word Hare Krishna over and over so that we would be in touch with, with, with God. And they were like, we have all the answers. You know, we're like the, the bringers of peace to the world. And, you know, we, of course, we had arguments about animal use because Hare Krishnas still use animals. Um, they're not vegans. I mean, some Hare Krishnas are vegan, but as a movement, it's not a vegan movement. And they even said to us, you guys are crazy. You know, you guys are totally nuts. You need to be realistic. There's always going to be war. 
And one of them was even like, war is good. War is necessary sometimes. And we're like, how? And they're like, if somebody's trying to kill you. And I'm thinking, oh, why does everybody always bring up self-defense? I said, you know what? If everybody was nonviolent, then nobody would be trying to kill me. And they still didn't get it. They just looked at me like, you're crazy. Now, I'm not going to deny that there are, I believe there are people with messed up brains who are violent people. I just think the majority of people aren't. And in a way, you could say that incarceration is is violent. But we justify self-defense. I mean, abolitionists, we're nonviolent, but we justify self-defense. I mean, we, it's the primordial instinct for survival and protection of your family. We're not crazy, you know. Of course we recognize that instinct of self-defense. And that, you know, if, if, if you're being attacked in that moment, whether it's by another animal like a bear or a tiger, your instinct is to fight and survive. And you will kill if you can to survive and that's an instinct the same with another human who's attacking you so so i believe that in a vegan society in a non-violent society if there are people who are born with with brain chemistry and there's nothing that their nothing that their society can do there's no um there's no um influence of their community can affect them because a lot of violence is 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 through social conditioning and abusive childhoods and you know, all that kind of stuff. But there is a certain very small subset of people who really do have messed up brain chemistry. I really do believe in the science of that. And um, those people in a vegan world would be quite easy to recognize because they would have violent tendencies and it would be harder to disguise them. And yes, it would be violent against their persons to incarcerate them. In other words, to take away their freedom. In other words, to imprison them. But um, we wouldn't use them as forced by medical subjects or use them for the skin or their bones. We would just be protecting ourselves by incarcerating them. And so, in a way, a lot of people say, well, that's violent, that's violent. And I'm like, yeah, but that's, that's, you might as well turn around. I'm talking like MDA activists say, well, you agree with that, so you must be agree with violence. And I'm like, well, you just sound like another guy who's saying, well, a tiger is going to kill your baby, and you're going to kill the tiger if, if, if the tiger tries to kill your baby if you can, so I'm allowed to go and eat me. I mean, no. I mean, self-defense, you know, that's a whole different story. But fundamentally, you know, we, we can't be pessimistic anymore. Now, with regard to the environment, that's where I learned that I am, I'm terrified. I'm really terrified. And, and I'm trying not to be pessimistic. But I found out a little bit that I actually am. And, um, and I don't want to bring everybody. I'm just being honest. And I am actually, um, I'm very scared. And not, not for really my life. Because, you know, I'm lucky enough. I mean, I am a queen if you look at my personal situation. I can go to the kitchen sink and turn on the tap and beautiful fresh water gushes out. And I can drink until I'm full. And then I can go and have a shower. And I can wash myself in clean, fresh water. I mean, that alone shows me that I am one of the wealthiest few on the planet. Okay? but So I'm very, very lucky. But I'm thinking of the future. I'm worried about... I'm worried about my young friends, you know, like they're only like 20 years younger than me, but I do feel like, I mean, I'm scared for myself with regard to my old age because I feel like I'll be an old person without access to clean running water, you know, and stuff like that. And the bottom line is a vast amount of people on the earth do not have access to clean running water and we're polluting all of the earth's water, including for, you know, sentient beings. I mean, 
you know, just look at the oil spills and things. I mean, they give a passing mention to the, the toll of the fishing. But what that really means is that millions and millions of, of sea life were toxically poisoned and their habitat destroyed. And, um, you know, so I, I, I am scared about that. And I know that there are some people who are really optimistic and they've actually been doing research. What I do is I listen to the BBC and I know I shouldn't just rely on one source of news. And I really don't. I mean, I read on the Internet and stuff. But, you know, <laughs> that's about the only news station I listen to. It's not the be-all and end-all. But there's an awful lot of terrifying information out there about 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 water and um, mostly water because I'll never forget in my astronomy class that um, my astronomy teacher was really awesome. And I only got to do one semester of it, but it really opened my eyes. And he said to us, he kept reminding us, every single time we had class, that he was a consultant for Star Trek, because he was, and um, which was pretty cool, because he obviously knew his stuff, right? And um, and then he also kept saying to us, no matter what, you're never going to forget my class, and he is right. And one of the biggest things I got from his class, especially now, that sticks with me, is the preciousness, the absolute value infinite priceless value of the water it is our most precious resource forget diamonds forget gold and obviously we need air but you know and food i mean there are those necessities but he really hammered it home and he kept saying we live in the goldilocks zone like the miracle of life and you know that we're just the right distance from the sun and we've got just the right this and we've got just the right that and when i took his class i would have it would have been i think it was my last semester so it might have been 2003 so things are pretty dire already but that was seven years ago and i would love to take his class again and hear his because he was already saying you know we are really, really, really playing, you know, we're playing dice with death without with what we're doing to the water. Because even though it is recyclable and it's, if it was used correctly, it would be, it would last forever. Well, not forever, but it would last for many more millions of years, I guess. <laughs> I'm not a scientist, but, you know, water, it, it evaporates and then it makes fresh water and, and then, you know, it evaporates and then blah, 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 and it just over and over and stuff but when you get to the point where you're overusing it and it's too polluted to be refreshed in time to support that amount of life and well I'm not making any sense but I hope people know what I mean in my amateur way that it's it's not an infinite resource it's even though it's recyclable and it recycles itself and there's what you know there's ways for it to be purified again and seawater evaporates into the sky and then it falls as fresh water and stuff if we just poison everything it's just going to be too poisoned beyond beyond you know beyond the you know the way the recycle the the way it's just going to be beyond saving i guess the amount of fresh water so that's where my that's where i found and i don't get this i don't talk about this stuff very often because i mostly spend my time talking to people about animal use and non-violence and it is related to the environment absolutely so i don't but i don't often get into discussions um that sort of really allow me to kind of like explore my dear my truest you know feelings on it and when it happened i just I was like, I just got terrified because I started to think about it again. And sometimes it keeps me awake at night. But what I try, as I try to just, I figure I'm doing what I can. I could probably do more. We can always do more as individuals. Um, 
you know, just, I mean, we just all know that, but I can't, you know, I can't become paralyzed with fear and I can't give up and I can't be pessimistic. I must be optimistic. But the, the truth is, is that I am absolutely terrified <laughs> and, um, I just hope, and I really want to hear more from people who have done research and who are, have words of hope. Um, these are mostly the, um, some of the other vegans on the forum were like, well, wait a minute, look, it's not that bad. Um, calm down, you know, cause I was like, there's not an infinite, you know, you're acting like there's an infinite amount of resources and an infinite amount of space. They're like, no, I never said that. I'm just saying it's not what you, it's not as bad as you, you know, you seem to think. And I'm like, okay, tell me why, because I really need to know, because all I'm hearing is quite terrifying stuff, and even just the ocean, you know? So, and I know that with time, we have, time is amazing, and I just, the time, sort of the time ratio with regard to recoverability, I think is is quite a scary a scary um, thing. If you look at the if you look at some of the reports that are coming out, even if we stop everything now and we allow fifty years of recovery time, it's still pretty bad. <laughs> so anyway, I know my last few podcasts have been like that, and I'm not trying to be negative. I'm being honest. This is something that I worry about, and I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it or talking about it because number one I'm a little bit uninformed I don't you know I'm not I'm very very firm and I'm very very clear and I'm very very um unwavering and I'm pretty confident in my knowledge about how animal use is wrong and why it's wrong and I can talk about that all day but when it comes to this stuff I don't I don't remember figures very well I don't remember sources very well I don't remember I don't know science very well I got a like a C I think in like my chemistry class or my physics class and stuff so it kind of does my head in um but I do look to other I do look to other people who can sort of provide a a, um, a more positive you know way but I do know for a fact and I think we all know that that the abolition of animal use by human beings animal use would definitely it would be an incredible time buyer. I still don't think that we can, I think that we are, because of the amount of resources that we use as a species per person, per individual, compared to other species, um, I do think that, you know, we're getting to where there's there's too many of us uh, on the earth. But if we eliminate, and I'm not, I, don't, I don't want to see the human population double or triple or whatever they're predicting. They're predicting it's going to double by 2050, 12 points, something billion. But, you know, who's they and, and who's predicting and what are they basing it on? I'm just quoting stuff that supposed experts have said, and I'd love to be proven wrong or them to be proven wrong or to be given something by another expert that I trusted. Who Maybe, you know, the BBC. I mean, I do think that the world's information is skewed. I mean, it obviously is because if there was anybody paying attention to what really mattered, there'd be veganism being promoted on every single radio, on every single t- television station, you know, by every single government. I mean, that's the way, that's the first thing that we all need to do in order to address all of these problems, you know, as we know, and we're not getting very much voice at all and we're having to do it grassroots, you know, which is, I mean, I I love that we're doing it grassroots, but it's quite sad that we're, that, 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 you know, people are just really burying their heads in the sands about, about, about veganism. 
Um, so it's good. It's good to have. It's good to have the truth. And I am trying not to be pessimistic, but I do. I do think that there are some people who um, they. The reason that they 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 do find it kind of a downer. You know, maybe my Facebook page is kind of a downer for somebody who uses animals. You know. Because they kind of don't want to know, and and, and but anyway, according to, to a lot of people, oh well, it's always going to be this way. And and William just looks at them and says, well, they're like, it's never going to change. And he's like, not with that attitude. And you know, of course not. So it's not, you know, it's unfortunate that we're the bearers of the truth and that the truth is is sad. But I'd much rather not. I mean, if they would just go vegan, then I could spend my time doing other things. You know, like dancing salsa. You know, or um, reading books, or you know, playing with Jebian Buddha a lot more. So you know, I kind of, you know, it's like I'm kind of mad at them a little bit. It's like you know, stop, you know, making me have to keep saying this over and over and over again. I mean, look at you know Gary Francione. I mean, he must. I don't know how he's kept his sanity all these years. Um, and you know what? Another thing, I went out to. I I I I never usually go out to eat anymore myself. Um, as I've said, not, not, not to a non-vegan restaurant, not with other people who aren't eating vegan food. It's been a long, long time. And I did it the other night. It was for an occasion and I did it. And I remember, and I had a vegan meal. I got, um, a, a fajita, which is just, um, and it's all cooked in canola oil. The, the guy was, the waiter was really, really nice. And, um, so I had, you know, um, you can make it yourself. So all the bits are separate and the avocado was just a fresh avocado with lemon juice. It was all, it was all vegan. Um, and so I had this beautiful food and it was great because people were seeing what I had. And my, my plate was like really impressive because fajitas, I don't know if anybody's ever seen uh, like a fajita in a mix. It was a real Mexican restaurant. It's pretty impressive. You get the sizzling platter of all these vegetables, you know, mushrooms and roasted peppers and onions and they're sizzling away. And then you have this other plate and the other plate you have like the tortillas and then you have like a little bit of rice, a little bit of guacamole, a little bit of pico de gallo, which is the tomato chopped up with the olive oil, you know, and the onion. And then you have the black beans, you know, as well. And you make your own, it's like you make your own fajita. You can put, and then there's lettuce. So you sort of, you can make it yourself. It's not, it doesn't come ready-made. It's like all separate little bits, and then you put it together yourself. It's an awesome dish. So it was good. I know it was good, and, and people were like, oh, look at that, because they probably expected me to eat beating a lettuce leaf or something at the table. So that was cool, you know. So I can see, I, I don't, I'm not denying that. It can be very, if you can handle it, and you trust the restaurant, and you know that it's going to be all vegan that you're getting, and if you can handle it, then, you know, go for it. I just usually can't handle it. But one of the, the person sitting next to me was like, is it really hard? Isn't it really difficult or challenge, you know, is it like a challenge to like eat out, you know? And I was thinking, you know, how am I going to respond to this? Because the bottom line is in New Zealand it is, you know, because, and I was thinking, you know what, why is it that we are always apologize? You know, this is like the vegan outreach people, you know, no way. It is, it is not my fault that the restaurants insist on putting the body parts or secretions of some slaughtered animal into every single dish that they make. I mean, come on. How is that my fault? I mean, that's a reflection on them. I remember when I was at my last place in New York, my, my roommate, I'm kind of like, I'm getting a little more lazy now, but I used to be super um, anal about floors, like being clean. I still hate dirty floors. Um, 
and but our floor was disgusting. And I tried to clean it, but I was I was I was only wasn't the only one living there, so I got to do what I could. And I remember her niece's feet were so filthy, and my roommate was like, "That's disgusting." That's disgusting. Look at your feet and making the niece like trying to act like she was disgusting. And I was like, I didn't say this because I didn't think about it until later. This always happens to me. But I was thinking, I knew there was something wrong with what was going on, but I couldn't figure it out. And I was always really protective of Naila anyway. But I was like, wait a minute, that's a reflection on us. You know, we live here. This is our house. She's come into our house. She's wearing bare feet, and her feet are black with dirt. That's a reflection on our house and what we did. Not a reflection on her. She's not the disgusting one. We are. Our floor is disgusting. And that's what I feel about when I go out into the world and I ring a restaurant and I'm like, have you got any vegan options? And they act like I'm some kind of problem and I'm some kind of freak and I'm some kind of weirdo. No, 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 no. You don't have one dish that was made with plants only Come on, you know, that I think we ought to start putting people on the spot about that. So what I said to this person at the restaurant, who was a real nice guy, he was like, is it difficult? And I said, it's not difficult. And this one of the things that triggered this was Milene. Milene said something really, really cool. And Randy put it on quotes on slavery. Milene said, and I paraphrase it because I can't remember her exact quote, but I'll post a quote. Basically, what I look at it as like, the hardest thing about being vegan isn't being vegan. It's watching everybody else not be. And so I kind of said that. I said, you know what? I said, it's really easy to eat <laughs> as a vegan. I was like, there's so many fruit and vegetables. I was like, it's not hard. I said, what's hard is that restaurants insist on putting all this, you know. I was like, so, you know, it's not really me that's making it hard, is it? You know, and he kind of was like, thought about it. He was like, oh, yeah. And I said, the hardest thing about it, and this is before the food came and everybody ordered, you know, you know, you know what everybody was ordering or and this was before the food came, and he was sitting right next to me, and I knew that he was going to order whatever. And I said to him, the hardest part is not, like, juggling the ingredients or whatever. It's watching everybody else eat my friends. And I literally said that. <laughs> I'm not shy, you know. And, but it didn't turn ugly. I said it with a smile, and I said it in a way where I wanted his empathy. I wanted him to understand how hard it was for me to see that. and what And how much I had to really force myself to go there and sit at that table and and watch that and there's all kinds of analogies I could have used but there really wasn't any need and you know we didn't spend the whole night talking about doom and gloom and I was very good company and you know I can be good company you know if people change the subject on me I can take a hint I really can I'm learning anyway so, but that was what I said, and um, and then, you know, the very, and then, like, a little bit later, the person sitting next to him, who obviously didn't hear our conversation, was asking the same thing, like, isn't it really difficult? And even though I told him, yeah, it is, it's only difficult because, you know, they make it hard for me, I'm not the one making it hard, um, I just said to her, it's not difficult at all, because I thought, you know what, I'm just going to say no, because I'm tired of hearing that it's hard to be vegan, like, and with regards to, like, implementing, like, the practicalness of it, you know. So I was like, no way. I was like, oh, it's just, it's just not hard at all. It's just, if I can do it, anybody can do it. So I thought that, you know, I had a good time and everything, but um, I'm just like, you know what? I'm not gonna make apologies. And I want to read something. I've read this before. Hold on, I have to go get it. Okay, I've read this before. It's Why Veganism by Ava Bat. It's Why Veganism by Ava Bat. I really, really, really recommend reading this. This was written. 
in, my goodness, it was written in 1964 for, by the American Vegan Society, by the American Vegan Society, by Ava Bat, who was a, one of the pioneers of the UK Vegan Society. And one of the best, one of my favorite parts of this, um, oh, it's just, it's just so totally, it's just the best article. I'm going to post a link. But I really want to read this part because this is, relates to what I was just talking about. Sometimes a person, oh, okay, it, I'll read the whole paragraph, but the last part is really important. Sometimes a person is sincerely anxious to help in this resistance to cruel exploitation, yet hesitates for fear of seeming peculiar to his friends, or even looking a bit odd without woolen cardigan or leather shoes. Thanks, however, to the pioneers and to the efficient alternatives created by our present economic position, such fears can now be immediately dispelled. So that was one thing. This is the important bit. Another deterrent to a few is the reluctance to refuse animal food when accepting hospitality. This discomfort is quite unnecessary. Surely, if any should be embarrassed, it must be those who have not taken the trouble to provide good, humanely produced food for their guests and actually expect them to eat dead animals or margarine made from the body of a whale which has been killed by shooting explosives into its insides. Our friends do not realize these things, so it is up to us to make the facts generally known. I love that paragraph. Now, I, I didn't know they used to make margarine from whales. Um, maybe they still do in some countries, but um, it's still relevant. That bit. So, if more of us were able to find ways to stop apologizing, there's a lot of quotes going around, don't apologize for being nonviolent, don't apologize for being vegan. Don't do it anymore. Anybody who has, anybody who's like, oh, sorry, I'm sorry, I don't want to be a hassle, I'm vegan and I'm, I know it's a hassle. No, 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 no. So you know what? I say to people, I make it really like, I look them in the eye and I'm like, come here. What I did at the restaurant was like, the waitress was, she spoke Spanish and I was like, good, you can be my friend. I was like, come here, I need to talk to you. <laughs> I was like, you need to know that I'm vegan. And what that means is I consume no animal products at all. And that means nothing in the soups, you know, like the preparations, no stock, no butter, no nothing. I said, it's very, very important. Only vegetables. And she was like, you're in good hands. She said, we're going to make you the best food. You're going to have the best meal. Don't you worry. Now, she didn't take my order. Somebody else came over to take the orders. And I was like, oh, can I please have her to take, can she please take my order, please? And he was like, I'll take care of you. And, you know, um, and, and they did. And it wasn't a big deal. Because at this particular restaurant, there was that dish, you know, and I could have worked something else out. It was a big, busy restaurant, and I've worked in the restaurant business. So I do know that, practically speaking, for the chef, it is a pain in the ass when people want to change dishes and eliminate certain things from dishes. I know what it's like. I've worked in restaurants for years. But so stop making all of your dishes contain the bodies of slaughtered animals then. You know, come on, you know. So I was, I'm not, I mean, I was very pleased with, it was really good food and stuff like that, but that's why I'm just, don't listen to these apologists, nothing's going to change, you know, nothing's going to change, and there's ways to do it where you're still respected, there's ways to do it where you're respecting, these are the things we need to learn from each other.
These are things we need to practice. You know, practice it. And you're not going to get it right right away, but keep trying. There's no, it's very easy to just back down. It's very easy not to rock the boat. Well, when it comes to this, we can't, and we actually are morally obligated to rock the boat. And those of you who find it really uncomfortable and can't, you know, can't deal, okay, you know, I, 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 I accept that some people don't want to speak out. I don't understand it, but I do acknowledge, no, I do understand it to agree. I have to recognize that I'm in a point in my life where, you know, I'm, I'm okay, um, I'm okay with it. But there are some people who really, they need, they just, they need to be with their friends. They don't want any conflict and stuff. Okay, I understand that. Don't, don't, you don't have to say anything. But you know what? Don't back down if the issue comes up. Do it and you could say, like I've said before, either don't go out to dinner then. If you know that you don't have the strength or whatever it takes, I don't want to say strength of character because I don't want to put people down. If you're not, you know, if you just are so um, averse to any kind of, you know, some people are just overly polite and it's just the way they were brought up and it makes them just so uncomfortable and they really hate it. And you know that you won't, you won't insist on a vegan dish and you won't, you know, you won't make a point of it and that you might consume animal products. Then I beg you, don't, don't go out and eat in those places because that's really bad for animals. And you know it because you're eating their body parts. So, you know, don't do that or, or just really educate your friends about how important it is to you as, as best you can, your really close friends, so that they're, they're the buffers. So when a big group of people go out, say you have like five or six restaurants that you know for a fact have really good meals that you can enjoy that are completely vegan, and you go to those restaurants, you know, but don't compromise. Don't say sorry either. And if you don't want to speak out and stuff like that, change the subject or whatever, but never compromise. Don't ever give in. You know, um, we one of the things that, you know, that you find when you're at a street store, when you do street advocacy and you're talking to people face to face, is um, they get frustrated because um, every time they try to justify animal use when they're talking to us, <laughs> because we've learned a lot and because we've read up, read about it and because we've kind of listened to a lot of other people talk about it and we we can you know we've practiced it, we always have like a response to them. And it really does drive them nuts, you know? Um, and that's a hard thing. So even today, like, if there's any little way, like, what I try, what I try, what we tried to do today to diffuse this, because it was getting quite heated with the, because when, what I found with Hare Krishnas is they are so, like, they're going to keep using their cows. And the cows are treated good, and it's not slavery, and no, no, no. We don't take the babies away. We're allowed to drink the milk. We, it says that we're supposed to drink the milk. We have to drink the milk. Like I say, some Hare Krishnas are vegan, and they're open to veganism. They don't mind it. But if you try to tell them it's wrong to use cows, even the vegan ones, you will have a fight on your hands. You'll have a fight on your hands. Try to talk to Hare Krishnas about why it's wrong to use cows. And um, and it was getting quite... It was getting... Um, the conversation was getting, you know, heated. So I thought to myself, Elizabeth, you're supposed to be learning. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I said, okay, let's try to find some common ground. Let's try to find some common ground. I said, we agree on such and such and such and such. And then we calmed it back down. And then we we got away from the, the escalation, the defensiveness from both of us. You know, I'm, I'm guilty of it. And it works. So try to do that with people. Find the common ground 
grounds. You can you can find a common ground with people while you're still admonishing them for not having the, you know, what, is, what does Ava say? Um, have not taken the trouble to provide good, humanely produced food for their guests and actually expect them to eat dead animals. You know, you can find a common ground with a person while at the same time pointing out to them that that's not cool. Um, you know, we we need to start making people realize it's not cool, man. It's just not. And they know it too. And, you know, um, we can't keep kowtowing to speciesism. Uh, I refuse to do it. And, um, so, anyway, I'm trying to stay positive. But, if, yeah, I'm going to try to, um, I do think that there is, when it comes to the environment, I'm I'm pretty terrified. But when it comes to the fundamental nature of people, I'm not. I know that sounds, you know, people are like, you're crazy or whatever. Well, too bad, man. I mean, I don't think so, okay? I acknowledge that there are people who are psychopathically violent. I'm not talking about them. You know, they're a very small minority. They can do a lot of damage, though. Especially if we let them become leaders of nations. And we allow the poor to keep getting exploited and have no way out. I mean, go to the America, go to the United States and go and find all the Army-Navy recruiting centers. Go and find them. They're in the poorest neighborhoods in town. The poorest neighborhoods in town. Okay, I think I've said enough today. I hope I made a point of some kind. And, um, and I hope to be back next week with a special guest who has, is doing a lot of great stuff. And um, I plan to have more guests on soon. And there's more and more abolitionists coming out who are actually doing amazing stuff around the world. I really want to get them to come on and talk about it um, and learn from them and hear how they managed to make it happen and how did they get the support and how did they get the resources together and all this stuff. So there's a lot of really good stuff going on. So I really do want to try to get some of these people on on my podcast. And I guess um, it's almost the end of the year. So if I don't do another podcast before 2011, happy, uh, happy new year, everybody. Alrighty, I'll be back. Bye.